welcome to the Culture Crush. Today I'm here with Matthias Brians McGrath. <laughs> Hi, Matthias. <laughs> no, Matthias is not going to say anything. <laughs> okay. It's going to be the me talking to myself. Well, Deborah is in West Hollywood, but I happen to be in Hollywood. Oh, so. you're in Hollywood? Oh, <laughs> no, okay. No, it's borderline. So, welcome, Deborah. So, you're border- we're borderline West Hollywood and Hollywood? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, it, so yeah, so we've been having an, an interesting couple of months. Uh, we, Matthias and I know each other from way back in our Paris days. So back in the 90s when I was at French Vogue and Matthias was the creative director of a an, an independent, um, very beautiful and important magazine at the time called Dutch. Bravo, <laughs> Dutch, I, I, right? I, I was. <laughs> you were. I, I was. You were. And um, so we knew each other then. And, you know, we were both super in the fashion, you know, business in every way. And we used to sort of see each other at shows and sort of sneer at each other (laughs) from across the front row. Well, you did anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And now um, and now we sort of have, you know, come together again. And, uh, you know, we were talking a few months ago that I wanted to do this issue and, and and and, you know, sort of about. Um, a little bit of an ode to Paris and and what that meant to us since every issue is very personal and and you know I and I felt like uh, Matthias could be a good uh, you know addition to the story because you also experienced uh, that industry in the same way that I did or in a similar way during that period and um, so we we talked about uh, some pictures that you had taken back then and um, so tell us the story so. Well, uh, like like you said, um, well, it's complicated. Where do I start? Uh, I was indeed the creative director and um, editor-in-chief of a magazine called Dutch, Dutch Magazine. And um, while I was editing the magazine, I got into photography, not that I wasn't already, but in a different way. I actually picked up uh, a camera myself and almost uh, instantly became addicted to the to the rush that it gave me. It was almost like uh, I don't really do drugs, but I it was like a drug, because the adrenaline that rushed through my veins was um, immediately addictive. And um, for me, it was uh, like having sex, um, but with having the actual act. <laughs> and um, so I picked up that camera and I continued doing so. And at this point, um, you know, I guess that's over two decades ago. It is uh, the longest profession that I've held on to um, in my life. So I guess that says something. Right. Um, but taking those pictures at the time, it was very loose. It was very, uh, nothing was really organized apart from the fact that I would ring uh, because you would actually still call people. You wouldn't have to email them. Um, you called uh, people at the model agency, and um, I would get a, a new model, boy or girl, and uh, I would start shooting them. At the time, I lived in the Marais in the, in the third in, in Paris, and the apartment next door to mine um, was vacant, had been like empty and shut off. It was an old factory. There were like big sewing machines in there and had been empty for 30 years. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, I drilled a hole in my closet. 
a perfect cir- circle of holes. Right, which you, which you see in the pictures, which yes, is incredible. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> the same. There was one access, and that was that hole through my closet into the apartment next door. Yeah. And so everybody crawled through that hole. I shot um, uh, Olivier Tyskens there. I shot... Um, Hedy Sleeman there, he crawled through the hole. I <laughs> know, like, who uh, crawled through the hole? And it was like, it was like, so there was, tell us about this abandoned apartment. Like what, like what, what did you find in there when you went in there? Well, um, I, I could sort of three, I was very curious because from the outside, um, you, you know, if, if I walked outside and walked the dog, I could sort of see through the windows, even though it was on the third floor. Um, and it was the the, the mirror twin uh, uh, apartment of mine, so I knew how many rooms it had and, and all of that. But through a hole in the wall, I could sort of see some weird machinery. And then once when I made the hole right. and crawled through, uh, there were like huge sewing machines. Because I think from the beginning of the, the 20th century, um, the Marais became, you, you know, it was... Um, it wasn't very elegant or chic. There was like factories there, bakeries, uh, sewing factories, and it was and like the it was like kind of garmento-y. Yeah, exactly. Right? So um, there were big sewing machines there, and iron machines, and God knows what else. You know, machines that I had no clue what were, but heavy duty machinery. Um, but in the perfect structure of a very like bourgeois apartment, and so I started taking pictures there. And then at the time, Cookie de Salvertis from Totem uh, PR, they were like... Which um, was a PR firm at PR the time. PR, yeah. He, he actually um, specialized in, in young kids that predominantly at the time uh, came from Belgium, from Antwerp. So he had Dirk Franzana, uh, Dirk um, WLT, Walter from Bayern Donk, I right. mean... Olivier Tyskens, Raph Simons, yeah. uh, Veronique Branquinho, right. and concerts. So it was a very successful group of young kids. Um, but at the time, you know, there was Carla Otto, there was Michel Montaigne, was, you know, uh, bringing Helmut Lang and Martin Sitbond. So there were these different fashion tribes uh, who you um, worked with. Yeah. You, as an editor at French Vogue, did the same. I know, it's true. Even the, um, the it, there weren't the, like, the big mega KCDs at the time at all. So there were these just like little agencies and like, yeah, they were like sort of created their own families. Like the, they were, who they represented, like uh, there was like an aesthetic to it for sure. For sure. Yeah. And they were tribes like Forget about it if Michelle Montagne would see you hang with Carla right, Otto right, or right. the other way around. Yeah. You were personal. Yeah, Carla Brata. had more of like the, the she was had the Prada, the Milanese Prada, Prada Miu Miu, Marini, yeah. Yeah. all of the, Ital- the, yeah. the, 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 the Milanese who became very, also very important at that time. Yeah. So Jill she, Sander. Jill Sander, all of that yeah. stuff that was coming from Milan. And, um, and yeah, and uh, it's so it's it's funny to think about it in in that way. It was almost like the photographers' agencies were sort of like that too. Like you, like it, it you had to prescribe to a certain aesthetic, and then they yes. sort of picked you, and then yeah. you were in that family. Yeah. So it was like it was like that with the press agencies who represented, or you know, the ones who like lent us the clothes so that we could shoot them in the magazines. It was like that with the photographers' agencies. It they was were so all even that these... with neighborhoods and restaurants. Like certain people ate in a certain 
part of town, while other people did not. <laughs> Carla Otto was in the Rue du Faubourg Saint-Honoré, right. and Michel Montaigne was in Rue Saint-Maur in the right. 11th, which right. at the time right. was like a fucking armpit. Right, right, And, right. Um, and so now it's photo, like one of the, the coolest photo, places. All the photo studios were there, Also, right? yeah, so yeah. it makes sense. But coming back to Cookie, Cookie de Sauvertes, I told him, he uh, was as courageous as he was, asked me to shoot like a, a little uh, catalog that re represented and was shot with each page, uh, you know, piece of fashion, but very loosely, like pants by, he had a few more commercial brands like um, Mustang or something like that. But then, you know, uh, Jeremy Scott started out there, his first collections, you know, were, uh, you know, hanging there at the studio of Cookie. And so I started producing this catalog, and it was the hole in the wall um, kind right, of thing. Yeah. And so after work each night, I only shot at night. I lit up the apartment, um, you know, with candles because there was no electricity. And although I think at one point I put an extension cord in right. there and put a lamp <laughs> yeah. up there, but in the beginning it was very romantic with yeah. candles. And um, and I shot there. I shot the whole catalog there. Um, it is in um, a, a small uh, selection of that is in your magazine, The Culture Crush, right, right now. <laughs> right now. And I cannot explain how much joy it's giving me uh, because I'm, um, A, very proud to be in there, and B, it's the first time that I'm revisiting those pictures that are over two decades yeah. old. Yeah, well, that's I mean, the essence of my photography, right. really. Yeah, so the background is, so we were, a few months ago, we were talking, and we were talking about uh, the culture crush, and I wanted to get Matthias involved. And so we were sort of thinking about, like, well, okay, well, what could we do? And then I was just like, well, where are those, where are those pictures? And you said, oh, they're in some box. Box. <laughs> they're, those are negatives in a box. And I was like, get that box out, and let's scan that shit, <laughs> You know, um, and I'm so glad that we did because the, the pictures are just they're just so they're very, very beautiful uh, image, images. And um, just even as photographs, they're very, very beautiful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually very careful to exclude fashion photography from from the culture crush. Uh, right. And for very specific reasons, I just don't think that it brings, you know, uh, fashion photography is usually done to especially now to um, just, you know, it, it's what I call like well-lit cans of Lysol. It's like just to sort of like light us. It's, you know, it's like showrooming. It's like, you know, uh, why do we take pictures of clothes kind of things? But um, so, uh, so, but these pictures are, you know, they're for many reasons, you know, there, there's more of a, a quality to them that's so personal to you that that's to me is the difference, you know? Well, I think you just kind of hit it on the, on the, on the, how do you say that? On the hit head? The nail on the, the head. nail on the head <laughs> yeah. without uh, uh, really doing so. But uh, this is exactly um, the, the point that the pictures that are, um, in your magazine right now are to a degree, or, or they are fashion pictures. The difference being though, is between fashion photography today and those pictures that are in the culture crush is that they were shot and there happened to be some labels on these kids' asses. They weren't the reason for taking those pictures. Exactly. Because a lot of these kids are naked anyway. And so there is not really a distinct difference between them being naked or wearing something. Uh, so in that sense, I ignore fashion and it just happens to be that this all sounds very bullshitty, right? right. But, but <laughs> okay. I actually, I'm very behind this and I mean it and it's sincere. They were shot with some fashion on their butts. 
but it's not label whoring. While very much so today, and therefore today, contemporary photography is uh, has become, and this is going to sound quite uh, possibly sour or snobbish, but I actually back it up and believe in it, that it's nothing but making a picture, um, caressing the ego of the advertiser behind it. And I've heard this from so many stylists over the last couple of decades saying it's like, I haven't styled a picture in about 15 years because you get a total look. And what are you going to do with a fucking total look? You know, if you cannot even change, a, you know, a waistband uh, or a shoe or add another bag so then you can work on hair and makeup. Big deal. Yeah. So coming back to, to my pictures, right. it's like it wasn't about Oh, and that. you also can't shoot it on a model who doesn't have a, a certain number of followers on Instagram. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> so it gets worse and worse and worse. You can't even find so, a new girl or you can't even no, like do or an expression. even the girl. Oh, this is girl belongs to the Vogue tribe and she cannot be shot in. An L and L can't be shot in this or that or that's gonna damage his or her career being in that magazine so those things were starting to happen then but they didn't exist as we have them right now so again coming back to those pictures in the culture crush there is the very beginning of my photographic career and there's an essence to them that is very raw and that I'm very inspired by today because I'm stepping back to that. Because the essence of photography, my and the interest that got me into photography is 100% in those pictures. To be honest, over the last 10 years, the pictures that I've taken for over most magazines, um, it's not that they're bad, but do they hold interest to me? Absolutely not. And um, somebody approached me a while back, a, an editor from a publishing house, and it's like, we'd love to do a celebrity book with you. But how am I going to edit that? It's just there is, it's not that these people aren't beautiful or even interesting, but they hold absolutely no interest to me. Because these pictures were taken with a certain stylist, a certain editor, a certain hair and makeup team that is all under the control of the publicist and mm -hmm. the agent mm -hmm. and the magazines, whatever they needed to do. There's even regulations that if you have retouched a picture in a certain way for a certain magazine that you cannot step back ever. And redo that, that and redo that you're never in your to, way. You're not allowed no, to show the No, because then you're altering an image that exists within the structure. Oh, my and the, God. And the visual language of... Wow, you just told me something I did not know. See, you can always learn something new. Wow. Um, do you understand yeah, how annoying no, that, that is, is? No, but that is like the... That well, that is the big... That's Then the big lie possibly comes out. All those women's magazines that say, we love women, we adore yeah. their curves. While in the very same cover it says, you know, it's like two headlines that are so completely contradicting one another. It's lose 30 pounds in three weeks. Right. <laughs> while on the, the top, bottom, yeah. or, or, you know, the, the other corner of the magazine it says you know embrace your curves right so it's utterly schizophrenic and that is within the structure of a women's magazine made by women for women so i think that's pretty women unfriendly except um the companies are not owned by women so, except you're leaving that part out the true power lies there there you, you know, go sorry fight the patriarchy but like there you go name so, one of those big either like fashion conglomerates or a publishing house that's owned by a woman so I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, who's really pulling um, the strings? The culture crush. <laughs> I, I I didn't mean to be that. I didn't I even, think you're the original power bitch I now. Think that, okay, all right, I'll take that. Uh, so um, 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that. Wow, I mean, mind blown on the podcast today. So that's crazy. And and you see a lot of these things like they're supposedly leaking the 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 unretouched pictures. And I look at those pictures and I'm like, those aren't really unretouched. The real pictures must have been well, worse. Well, it's happened. I mean, it's like, and this is like, you know, that is like something fairly new as well, this leaking of pictures. Because before it was fairly impossible because you would have scans of negatives and there were actual prints that would then would be scanned at the magazine and uh, they didn't travel via air, you know. And so right now there is indeed a lot of uh, theft through files, uh, you know, computers are left open, magazines don't want to pay staff, so there's like a million interns, and interns are usually far more knowledgeable than a lot of fashion editors that barely know how to, uh, you know, with exceptions, of course, you know. So things have gotten stolen from me, from any of my colleagues, any photographers had that happen, but... Yeah, this whole myth about we're women friendly, we don't retouch, you know, I can't show you pictures that supposedly right. aren't right. retouched. But if I right. would show you the markups of what still is being retouched, it, it would be an absolute embarrassment. And so coming back to that book, it's like I have no interest in that. So stepping back to the 90s where I feel my pictures uh you know, gained me a certain reputation or, or not even that, but, you know, got me going. Um, I, I feel it's, um, there's this, I, I'm very interested in revisiting that and you gave me that platform and I'm very happy and grateful for that. I'm, I'm very happy and grateful that you opened up that box. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk about these particular pictures and sort of what came up in uh, when you're saying like going back to you know, your original aesthetic and, you know, how you had developed that, uh, you know, that something that's been very prevalent in all of the work you've done, either whether it was as a creative director, as a stylist, as a photographer, is that you definitely, you know, bring the sexuality into everything in, a, in the strongest, like really most direct way rather than sort of dancing around it like here it is and um you know even the you know the stuff that you the work you're doing with gucci and you know like all of this a lot of the stuff that you've done or you know in your career some of the most memorable things to me of, of your work have always sort of had that as an element and you know interestingly enough so you know we so we talked about that about you know because there are let's say strong male nudity in these pictures that uh, even when I first got, so when I first got the files and I was looking at them and even I'm I'm going to admit it that even I was just like, oh, wait a second, like, am I really going to do this? And then it's just like about a a millionth of a second later, it's like, of course, you know, and then because that's kind of what we do at the Culture Crush. We're sort of like looking at things and then asking the questions and then sort of talking about it and saying like, what does this mean? So it relates directly to all the stuff we just talked about, about retouching women and the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff because you know the the difference between I wouldn't have hesitated point is I wouldn't have hesitated not even a millionth of a second if it was a female nude not yeah no one would say anything and it would not even be something that we talked about yeah at all within the structure of you you know editorial and uh, you know publication you are um, God I don't really normally use words like that as strong but still brainwashed into thinking that that is completely natural while it is completely unnatural not that female nudity is unnatural 
but I actually mean a, a, a stronger direction is that it's been brainwashed in a way to become acceptable, formulated by a small group of people in a very distinct manner, that women are uh, pretty feminine when they're nude and they are fragile and skinny and uh, vulnerable. So if you will go against that, a fine example is, for example, Helmut Newton, where he created the, the uber power woman, if not bitch, um, then it is also acceptable because it lives within the structure of femininity as the, uh, the bitch and therefore ultimately still within a sado masochistic culture, still for the maid photographed by the man for the pleasure of the man, it is acceptable also because it's a fashion fantasy. Translate, translate that today, for example, to somebody like uh, Stephen Klein, which is devoid of emotion. Um, it's, it's very powerful, it is very cold, and um, even the movements are taken away. It becomes very robo robotic and post. Now, like a sex, like a blow up sex doll. Like a blow up sex doll, and I'll specify. I have nothing against Stephen Klein. I think Stephen Klein is a brilliant photographer. So I'm not merely saying this to criticizing. I'm just saying that this is a clear, uh, distinct, um, uh, you know, branch within the stretch of um, editorial. If you take that away and you, uh, or if you reverse that. Uh, you go to the opposite side of the spectrum and you do the very same thing with men, it becomes uh, it, it, a big alarm goes off. Yeah. Because then, you know, people call in, uh, you know, homoerotic. For me, the terminology homoerotic or homoeroticism is, is something of the 19th century anyway, and, and it's not valid. It's become, um, if anything, you know, something that sounds uh, pretty discriminating to me. And, uh, and old-fashioned, because if I take a picture of a man, then that would be homoerotic, because I'm a man, on top of that, I'm a gay man. But if you would take that picture, uh, Deborah, as a woman, whatever your sexuality is, it's uh, absolutely not homoerotic. So it, it's, you know, if the viewer does not know what the sex of the author is, then what is that picture then? Right. So homoeroticism is irrelevant to me. Um, and so when you look at the vulnerability uh, of men within the stretch of, of photography, I find that very interesting. And um, it's very, very crooked. You know, most women uh, do not like their, well, I don't know. I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> so most women do not like to look at a vagina. They like to look at female nudity. But when it comes to an actual vagina, it, um, it, it becomes taboo. Even the word vagina, if I say that to a lot, you know, to women, they sort of make a face like, ew. And then when you say cunt, it's definitely out of the picture because you can call a woman an asshole, that's okay. But if you call her a cunt, it's in the trouble. U in America. In America. Yeah, in American English. Uh, yeah. In and British so, English, it's a completely different meaning. Yeah. And so then a cunt can be a man and a woman yeah, yeah. and even a dog right, or right, a bitch. Right. And so <laughs> I find all of this absolutely fascinating and I built my house on that. That is the foundation, like you just mentioned, the foundation of my of my career, of my work is built upon, uh, upon sexuality. I find it incredibly interesting to photograph, um, uh, you know, male nudes, whether, um, you know, their cocks are exposed or not, and whether they're flaccid or erect. Um, I think there's something incredibly powerful to it.
and most people cannot you know stand the look of it then if you take it a step further for example the tash and big penis book is like the ultimate big seller because it's like it's so obvious that it is about one thing and that is those big cocks that it's it became a bestseller because women do like cocks they men, do men, i can attest <laughs> men, men, they, they absolutely do men like cocks right. i mean yeah. straight men and gay men like cocks straight men like cocks because it's that boy toy that they like to look and therefore big cocks in straight pornography and gay uh, pornography exist because they like to look at a big schlong you know yeah. penetrating or doing whatever or to doing a whatever woman <laughs> and or in the gay industry to a man or men um, so, <laughs> so okay. Ben so, still I mean, said, I understand that within the stretch of the culture crash to see a bunch of naked dudes with their dicks out is is a bit of a shock. And bingo. But then again, so but the, okay, so let's back up. So I, what I was saying was that when I first got the files, once I started working the story into the issue, not at all. And I believe, and I know everybody who's seen the issue so far is in agreement that... But I'm sure your general Joe Schmo, like, for example, you send me that pictures of the guys um, at the printer, sort of like, you know, looking at no, them. No, but what you didn't like, see in that picture was there were 10 of them standing around. And, and then I'm when, sure. when I walked over to take a picture of them, a bunch of them walked away. So yeah. they, you, you're not going to tell me that they weren't enjoying those pictures. They were loving those pictures, actually. It you caused know? the commotion. Yeah, it so you missed your picture, it, actually, because 10 yeah. dudes would have been yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We did get that, but like from far, far away. I wanted yeah. to, get, I wanted to be able to see, like, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but I, you know, that's the thing. It's like it, it was, uh, it was just a great, it was great in the studio that we all, everybody, sort of working on the issue, that we all, just, we all got into this conversation, and it's sort of making us all have this, con these kind of conversations. But um, I don't really think of your story as being about this story and this issue. I don't think of it as being about male nudes. I think of it as being your personal experience of that time in Paris, you know. And no, like, and so um, it, it is to me and it is to you. But I think the general audience will have a different opinion about that. And therefore, you know, breaking that down or, or possibly not breaking that down, but opening people's eyes about that positively or negatively. In this case, it's, you know, it's equally interesting you know because you start a dialogue and i think within the stretch of photography be that journalistic or or fashion or anything at all is is a great thing yeah if there's something to be talked about it's like you know i am not going to the beach to photograph a beautiful sunset for most people you know when they find out i'm a photographer like will you take my portrait uh no and it's not that they're not nice people but i'm actually pretty bad at it you know it's like a lot of actors here can you do my headshot no, you have people that do headshots. I'm the worst headshot photographer yeah. because I don't do that. Yeah. And so I need to be into it. And, and there's a lot that I, I don't do. I don't do interior photography, even though I love and work within the stretch of in yeah, interior. Yeah, that's a, it's a totally different skill. But it's a different yeah. thing. It's a different so thing. so I do sex. And I dare say I do sex very good. I'm very ha happy working with sex. <laughs> okay, yeah. But okay, but you know, again, um, I, the, the maybe I should the, translate it in today's political milieu right. and say I do sex very, 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 very good. 
He's terrific at sex. Um, Genius. I heard, yeah. So they love it in China. The point, though, of the culture crush and of this issue in particular, and every issue, is that it's really about photography, you know? So when you see, talk about these pictures in the context of the other pictures that are in this issue, and I know the other photographers who have seen the issue and have seen these pictures are, you know, very, were, were equally as in love with the pictures as beautiful photographs um and the whole you know oh there's this or there's that or what the subject matter was you know that's um that's something that we talk about all the time you know that um pictures just sort of you know it's about grabbing stuff out of your life and that's kind of what we do so um i think that that completely comes through so okay um i'm i I mean the the issue is is so beautiful i can't wait for everyone to see it it's our you know it's our it's 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 really about uh the layers of of culture as as these issues always are and um i'm so glad that you could uh that you know you're, that you were part of this and i hope that we can do a lot more in the future <laughs> i have a feeling you and i will <laughs> okay great um okay is there anything else that you want to talk about um, i love Debra. <laughs> <laughs> thank you everybody okay. i hope you will get uh an issue of this uh culture cross issue and I hope you will enjoy it. Yeah, and Thank you, everybody. And they're very, very expensive. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.